Hey, good morning, FCF. Now, I guarantee you, it's not every Sunday morning that you start out a church service with a Frank Sinatra song. But yes, I did. Now, listen once again to the lyrics. Someone to watch over me. Somebody to bring uh, the best out of me is what he was really talking about. It's a beautiful song. And the, the essential message is something that resonates deeply inside every human that's alive today. I don't care how bright, how intelligent, how educated. I don't care how strong, powerful, rich, and every human that ever has lived. We know, we sense that we need someone to watch over us. We are not sufficient. We are not adequate. So we want to look at this theme. Jesus talks about it uh, very succinctly in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. So I want you to um, turn there now, and uh, perhaps you have your Bible at home, or if you're you know, in the auditorium, John chapter 10. And I'm just going to start by uh, reading to you the first four verses. But the essential message today in our series about it's not presence as in persons, places, things, and experiences, things under the tree that we need most. It's the presence it's the presence of Christ as an ongoing, dynamic, transformational reality in our souls, in our everyday lives. The message today is called Caretaker Wanted. Every human being yearns for, craves, knows deep inside. We need somebody to watch over us. I want to start by reading John 10, beginning verse 1 through 4. Jesus talking, he says, Verily I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep gate, excuse me, anyone who does not um, enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is the thief and the robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Listen to this now carefully. The sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. He calls his own, his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them all out, his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So, caretaker wanted. I, I want to start this talk by suggesting that um, we can discern that there is a universal caretaker desire in human beings. It's like I said at the beginning of the message, I don't care who you are, where, what era in history you're born in, we all have yearned for, we all look for, it's written in the spiritual DNA in our souls, in our spirits, that, that we're looking for a caretaker, the supreme caretaker, somebody to watch over us. So we can see this written into the human psyche. First of all, you can see it in spontaneous expressions. It's not unusual to maybe hear ourselves say things like, why didn't somebody tell me? Or, or why didn't somebody explain that to me? Or, or why didn't someone help me or warn me? In these spontaneous expressions, we're, we're kind of saying, I, I needed a caretaker. I needed somebody to watch over me. Why didn't someone help me? Why didn't someone warn me? Why didn't someone you know, give me that, that little bit that I don't have? I, I know that there is someone. Why didn't it happen? So our spontaneous expressions indicate that we desire, we have this desire for a caretaker. It's universal in human beings. The, the other thing that gives it away is our social structures. All of our social structures betray the fact 
that we know we not only desire a caretaker, we need a caretaker. Think about it. When you and I are born, we are completely helpless. The fact that you and I are alive today means that, now I don't, I don't care what kind of home you brought, grew up in or, or what kind of parenting you had, mine was not the greatest either, but I'm gonna tell you one thing I know, I wouldn't be here today if someone, if someone didn't feed me when I was in that infant stage, if someone didn't keep me out of the rain and the snow, if someone didn't you know, clothe me and change my diaper, at least occasionally, so we start out knowing this. The, all of society is structured with caretakers. We need parents or parental figures with caretakers. We need teachers. We need coaches. We need counselors. We, we need first responders. We need police. We need the military. I could just go on and on. All of our social structures are indicative that we understand. We, we don't just desire a caretaker. We know we know that we need a caretaker. Now what we do is we settle for, because it's the best that we can do at this time, for lots of different kinds of caretakers, but that, that need of the human soul. Listen, I don't care how smart a human being is, no one is an expert in everything. If a person is a nuclear physicist, but their car breaks down, chances are they're gonna to have to go to their mechanic to get expert advice. They need a caretaker. We all need a caretaker. We are not sufficient in and of ourselves. And by the way, we should never be embarrassed. Sometimes people have a hard time asking help from people. You should never be embarrassed about asking help because it is the human condition. So. We can discern the caretaker desire in the spontaneous things that we say, like, hey, I need help. Why didn't somebody warn me? Why didn't somebody explain to me? We can see it in our social structures. We, we try to build in caretaker structures wherever we can. And we can also even see it in our political philosophies. Now, <laughs> lest you think I'm gonna wax political on you, let me just generalize this to show you that I'm just trying to show that this desire for a caretaker is written, it's spiritually written into our DNA. It was put there by our Creator who is the caretaker. But all of the political systems that have ever been on the planet, they all work from this, this position that they are going to take care of the people. I don't care if it's a monarchy. I don't care if it's a democracy. I don't care if it's socialism. I don't even care if it's communism or capitalism. Any kind of political philosophy, even the most harsh, the most brutal, the most cruel political philosophies, they have to try to convince themselves and convince the people that they're doing what they're doing for the people's ultimately good, ultimate good. In other words, let's just take some of the more harsh systems like socialism and communism. They convince themselves that the end justifies the means. In other words, they're gonna build a utopia. Uh, they're gonna take care of the people that don't know how to take care of themselves. So to do that, they're gonna take control of everybody. They're gonna you know, re-educate those who need to be re-educated. Re they may have to kill off millions, which is what communism has done historically as well as various types of socialism. I'm not just nailing you know, different political systems. I'm just trying to tell you this. Every political system, monarchy, democracy, capitalism, socialism, communism, I don't care what it is, they all have to sell themselves that they are going to take better care of people because people need caretakers. And so they all come across, we're, we're doing this for the greater good. Now, 
they're all imperfect systems, and my point today was not to get you thinking about <laughs> politics. That's the last thing I want you thinking about today. What I do want you thinking about is that the one who created us, the one whose image we are made in, he has built into us an understanding of reality, and that is this. Finite beings need an infinite being to take care of them. Finite beings constantly need an infinite being to instruct us, to direct us, to help us to grow, to help us to develop. Listen, everything that you and I have that sustains us is a gift given by our infinite, immortal, eternal creator. We, we are not sufficient. We, we need a caretaker. So I want to go on now and I want to talk the rest of this time in this message about discovering the caretaker difference because once we discover the caretaker and once we enter into a harmonious relationship with the caretaker it can make a qualitative and enormous difference in our life and it is meant to in fact let me go back to John 10 and I'm going to cover a lot of verses in there now let me take you first to John 10 verse 10 something Jesus said he said I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is saying, why did he come? Why did he enter the world through the virgin birth? Why was he you know, continuing to minister and teach and do miracles and reveal the true nature of God, that God is the, the safest person in the universe? He says, why? Because I want you that I created in my image, I want you to have the best quality life imaginable. And Jesus was saying, I know your life, the quality of your life can be better. We tend to try to fill the holes in our soul with persons, places, and things, with presence, as in presence under the tree, presence in life, experiences we give ourselves, power, prestige, popularity, whatever it is. We, we, we try to seek to fill the holes in our souls with temporal, physical presence, and we can't. It is the spiritual presence of Christ, our Creator, that our soul and our spirits desperately need. And here's Jesus saying that He came so that the quality of our lives could be greatly elevated, that they, they could be life to the fullest. But that life to the fullest can only come from coming into this harmonious union with the ultimate caretaker who is Christ the creator of the universe. Listen to the way he goes on to describe himself in this passage of scripture. I'm going to just show you some interesting uh, connections here. I I'm going to just start out by reading you verse 11 and then I'm going to back up a bit. Jesus said of himself, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You're going to see this analogy over and over again in this passage of scripture. We're going to look at a lot of the verses in John 10. The fact that Jesus, the creator of the universe, depicts himself as a shepherd and he depicts us as sheep. We are those that need him, that uh, we need him to lead us, we need him to guide us, we need him to protect us, we need him to direct us, we need him to correct us, we need him to rescue us. The analogy is rich and beautiful, but what it also shows is that he wants to do this. He, he cares this much. We don't have to be ashamed that we need help, that we often don't know what to do, that we often are inadequate. We try to hide our inadequacy. We, we try to hide the fact that we often feel you know, that we, we're not competent. 
And we shouldn't. It's just the way things are. And it's meant to draw us to our all-competent, completely adequate caretaker who just waits, just waits to enter in and fill those holes in our lives and those gaps in our learning curves and development and so forth. Discovering the caretaker difference is not something that everyone that has even put their trust in Christ experiences. What, what am I saying? I'm saying you may be listening and you perhaps years ago or even decades ago, you, you authentically put your trust in Christ and you became his follower. But this life to the fullest that is a life of meaning and a life of enthusiasm and a life of purpose and a life of confidence and clarity and satisfaction, you may not be experiencing it. Now, I'm not saying that every season in life is going to be just so full of that, that it's you know, peachy and keen and all like that. But you can have all those things even in the difficult seasons of life. But the truth is that many a real follower, I'm talking about real followers of Christ, we don't experience the caretaker difference. Why? Why is that so? I want to suggest that what I've observed through you know, over 30 years, really 40 or more years of watching the work of God in the souls of other people, the main reason that people don't experience the caretaker difference, real, real followers of Jesus don't, is because we have what I'm going to call a, a spiritual amnesia kind of a syndrome. Maybe some of you saw the movie Memento. Uh, Memento is, is a very strange movie, and some of you will be offended by watching it. Forgive me, but Memento is about a man that has lost his short-term memory. He, he is Almost as soon as he says something, if he doesn't write it down, it's gone. It's erased. And some of us as Christ followers, we know, we know a lot about God and a lot, of, a lot of the truth about Him, the truth about life, but we have such bad spiritual memories. It's kind of like a spiritual amnesia, and therefore the truth doesn't have the impact on us that Christ intends it to have. So, so here's what I want to do. Discovering the caretaker difference, it calls for recognizing Christ, His, first of all, His intimate identification with us. If I'm not recognizing, if I'm not experiencing Christ right now, present tense, intimate identification with me, if you're not, then that quality of life to the fullness, we're not going to be experiencing it. This is an amazing thing. It's the creator of the universe who knows us, who understands us, who knows every weakness, every flaw, every sin, every regret, every shameful component of our life, everything that we wish wouldn't have happened. He stands proudly identifying with us. And he wants us to know that. And when we can't see that, when we can't live in that experience, it, it brings an unnecessary hurt and unnecessary pain to our soul, and it deprives us of that quality of life to the fullness. Let me read you some verses, and you'll see what I'm talking about, about this intimate identification he wants us to live in the, in the fullness of. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, let me read you verse 3 and 4 again. He says, the gatekeeper, and he's using the analogy now of himself as the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Now he's shifting to the analogy of himself as the shepherd. He calls his own, get this, his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because, <clears throat> because they know his voice. 
Let me pick up reading again in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Let me read again in verse 27 of John 10. Jesus says, my, my, again, the ownership. He identifies with us intimately. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So here we have this, this, this intimate identification that the eternal caretaker has with those that are his. He stands proudly identifying with us, though we are far from perfect. He says, I know you. You're mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. I don't care what anybody else thinks or says. I, says Jesus, I stand and own you. If you've trusted in him, he owns us. He proudly says, that's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. I'll never leave or forsake my son, my daughter. I'll see to it that all the goodwill of God is accomplished in and through his or her life. He says, I own you. You're mine. I'm yours. And then it says that he calls us by name. This is intimate identification. It's saying much more than he just knows our name, but that's really big. In a world of seven billion people, the creator of the universe, he knows our name, but he knows much more. He knows every tear that we've ever cried. He knows every heartache we've ever had. He knows every dream we've ever had. He knows every mistake that we wish wouldn't have occurred. He knows those agonizing regrets that we do anything to erase but can't. He knows those dreams of doing so much good that we still have existed in our heart. He knows us. He knows us intimately. Our God's capacity is so extraordinarily wonderful. He has the capacity to intimately love, identify, interact with each and every one of us in every aspect and every part of our life. When I recognize this, and when I don't forget this and keep it alive in my mind, in my memory, it is a powerful component of experiencing this life to all of its fullness and richness that Jesus talked about. So I need to discover the caretaker difference. First of all, I need to recognize his intimate identification with me. Secondly, I need to recognize his sacrificial affection for me. Listen to some verses again from John 10. In verse 11, let me read to you. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, in verse uh, 15, it says, As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Twice we've heard him say, I lay down my life for the sheep. Again, in verse 17 and 18, he says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again, talking about the resurrection. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority or power to lay it down and authority or power to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Sacrificial affection. You may have people in your life that you believe love you so much, and they know you're not perfect, but it doesn't matter. They love you so much, they would literally lay down their life for you. You yourself may have people you love so much you would lay down your life for them. But I think we all agree at this one thing. There are not many people that we would lay down our life for, and there are not many people that would lay down our life, uh, their life for us. But what the, the creator of the universe is revealing to us in Jesus is that he loves us, imperfect, in process individuals, 
with such a burning, eternal, passionate love that he proved it. He proved it by laying down his life for us. He, he entered into the agony of death itself to show how completely identified with us, to, to show us that he's the safest, most loving person in the universe. When you and I, when we live in the, the constant awareness of his sacrificial affection for us, and, and again, folks, we have to be careful because th this can become just kind of like, oh yeah, I've heard this, so, I've heard it for years, I've heard it for decades. I know God loves me, I know God loves me then it's lost its power, it's lost its content. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it's, it's when we recognize that the same Jesus that went to the cross then loves us with that same burning affection today, tomorrow, next week. He feels that way about you when you are at your worst. He feels that way about you when you are in mediocrity, and He feels that way about you when you're at your best. It never changes. This is, this is about who He is. And when we understand and live in this and fight off the spiritual amnesia, well, then it makes that, that caretaker difference in our life. We have a caretaker that is intimately identified with us and who loves us with a sacrificial affection, a passionate, to the death kind of an affection he has for us is personal is personal and until it becomes personal it never becomes dynamic some of you need to hear that again until it becomes personal if, if you just see God's love for you and Christ's death for you in the generic oh yeah he died for all of us it will not be dynamic it will not be transformational and Jesus intends it so because it's part of that 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 formula that brings us into that life in all of its fullness the third thing that Jesus wants us to discover if we're going to experience the caretaker difference in our life is, is the dynamic, the ongoing dynamic interaction that He wants to have and we are built for having with Himself. Let me read you again some verses from John chapter 10 in verse 4 and 5 that we've covered before, but listen a little carefully now from a different angle. When He has brought out all His own, He goes on ahead of them and His sheep follow Him. Notice that. They hear His voice and they follow Him because they know His voice. They'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from Him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Again, let me pick up in verse 27. We've glanced at it before. It's a beautiful one. It says, My sheep listen to My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. Let me read you 28. I give them. Notice He gives them. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. I, <coughs> I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of My hand. Dynamic interaction. Jesus wants you and I to live in, in constant union and communion with Him. He wants us to experience His guidance as a normal part of our everyday life. He wants to be allowed to lead us. He wants us to become uh, you know, acclimated to His voice. He wants us to access His voice, which is primarily we do today, primarily through the Word of God. That's where the Spirit of God allows us to hear the voice of our Creator again and again. We can hear it at times through His people. We can hear it sometimes in the quietness of our soul. But the primary place where our God can communicate with us accurately and clear clearly is when we go to His Word. And so Jesus wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. He wants to correct us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to cheer us. 
He, he wants to elevate our understanding of God and life and ourselves and of others. He wants to expand our capacities to, to care and to serve and to give and to love. All these things happen as we interact with it. Listen, I want you to think about something. The, the ones that Jesus wrote this to in John 10, the ones that first heard it, these were men that had lived pretty much every day of their life with Jesus for over three years now. When you come to John 10, you're coming to the last part, the last months of Jesus' ministry. It's only about three and a half years, and then it's the cross and the resurrection. But these men, these ordinary, very sinful men, they, they had experienced day-to-day -day interaction with Christ, the creator of the universe, but in a form that was gentle and approachable and safe because that's who he really is. And it was gradually but powerfully transforming them. It was change. It was, it was changing everything about them. It was changing the way they saw life, saw God, saw themselves, saw other people. It was changing their response patterns. It was changing their feelings about persons and places and things. It was changing their value system. Some of you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you marvel at the way that Christ has just constantly by His, His interaction, the more you see of Him, the more you hear His voice, the more you follow Him. You stop doing what He says stop doing. You start doing what He says start doing. You've watched, you've experienced the beautiful kinds of changes that He's making in your life. I, I want to challenge some of us, some of us that have been Christ followers the longest. I, I want to challenge you on something this, about this business of the sheep hearing Jesus' voice and following Him. Sometimes I feel like we get confused about this life to the fullest that He talked about in John 10 that, that He wants His sheep to have, that His following sheep should have but sometimes don't have. And I want to talk to you about why sometimes we get kind of stuck, we get kind of jammed up. Sometimes we don't understand that, that Christ can't bring us into this life of fullness that He wants to bring us into because it requires concrete changes in who we are. Let, let me repeat that. In other words, some of the states of spirit, soul, and mind that elevate the quality of our lives, they only come about when, when I change, when, when, when I let God's truth actually have a transformational impact on me. Let, let, let me make it real clear what I'm talking about. Okay. It is not unusual for those that are Christ followers, those trusting Christ, we might pray for things at times like, Lord, I need more peace, or Lord, I, I, I want more joy, or, or Lord, uh, I, I want less anxiety, or whatever it may be. We, we pray for things, and sometimes, truth be told, we, we don't get the answer. We're, we're hoping that somehow some, some magical peace or contentment or whatever is going to sweep over us, but it doesn't. And here's where we get jammed up. We follow Jesus, but we don't follow Him far enough. We don't follow Him deep enough. There are areas where He wants to take us further and deeper, but we don't want to go because they take us into areas that are, that are frightening, change areas that are frightening. Let me give you what I'm talking about. Sometimes we deprive ourselves of peace. We deprive ourselves of joy. We deprive ourselves of an elevating capacity to give and to share and to care and to love because we harbor bitterness. Jesus wants to show us about forgiveness. He Himself is the greatest forgiver in the universe. We are called upon to forgive others the way He Himself forgives us. But we say, no way, no how, because if I forgive people, they're going to take advantage of me. They're going to hurt me. And so 
we stop the flow of His life in ourselves and we stop our ability to experience that life to its fullness that He wants us to have. Some of us, we, we get stuck in that we, we are bitter or we're jealous or we're envious or, or we're full of selfish ambition. And then we still keep praying for peace and joy and love and all these things, but they can't come. You see, these things are fruits of the Holy Spirit's work in us. They are the result of us doing what God wants us to do, putting off what God wants us to put off, learning and cultivating what God wants us to learn and cultivate until I change, until I really truly change, until I, let me, let me be really clear, until I start down the path to forgive the way Jesus forgives, until I start down the path to serve the way Jesus serves, until I start down the path of being humble like Jesus is and throw away my, my arrogance, my pride, my, my selfish ambition, until I go down the path and start giving freely of myself, my time, my talents, and my financial resources, I'm not going to understand the quality of life, that life to the fullness that Jesus calls me. I've got to follow Jesus further. I've got to follow the voice of the shepherd into some areas that we often are very afraid of. And until I change, I don't experience the quality of life. Until I actually forgive those that are totally not deserving forgiveness, I don't experience what Jesus experiences inside. Until I care for those that don't deserve it at all, I don't experience the quality of life. So I just want to give a challenge, and I'm challenging myself as well. I want you to know this. I don't consider myself by any means to be somebody that's arrived far, far from it. But I know that the shepherd today is calling some of us. We're, we're his followers. We genuinely are. And we've maybe followed him for decades. But he's calling some of us to follow him further and to follow us into some areas that are very uncomfortable for us. They make us feel vulnerable. They make us feel incompetent. They make us feel inadequate. But they are the secret places where we can experience his life. And that then brings the peace. And that brings, you see, peace and joy and love and generosity, and all these, these are fruits. They are the result of letting the Spirit of God bring us onto that path of change where the shepherd leads us always. The shepherd leads us into the path of life. So discovering the caretaker difference, let me review it. It calls for you and I living in light of that intimate identification. He, he says, you are my son, my daughter. I am with you. I know your name. You might feel like you never belong. You're, you're always an outsider, but he says, you're mine. And you're going to be mine for time and eternity. And you're going to never feel rejected again someday. You're never going to feel like an outsider again someday. You trust me. You follow me. You'll see my son, my daughter. We have to remember his intimate identification with us. We have to remember his sacrificial affection. I'm going to tell you where, where I get jammed up, and I bet you some of you do too. Sometimes... We use that old saying, that old American saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. But that's opposite with God. When it comes to Christ, He is more than what we can comprehend as far as good is. He's too good for it not to be true. Let me repeat it. Christ is too good for His sacrificial affection not to be true. I just need to let it in sometimes. And you and I sometimes tend to, to live in our past and we feel unworthy and we deprive ourselves of the, the full sacrificial affection of Christ our Creator that He wants us to feel day to day. He wants us to live in it. He wants it to heal the wounds 
sometimes self-induced wounds that we've brought upon ourselves. And thirdly, He wants us to live in a dynamic interaction with Him. He wants us to walk every day with Him the shepherd out in front and we the sheep listening to His voice, moving with Him, going where He wants us to go, doing what He wants us to do, experiencing what He wants us to experience. This is the life of having the caretaker, the shepherd of our souls. You want it. I want it. You need it. I need it. Every human being that's alive, I don't care who they are, wants it and needs it. The only difference is, is some, for whatever reason, are resistant to acknowledging it. Now, I want to kind of close in showing one big difference between a physical sheep and we that are human beings made by Christ, for Christ, and made in His own image. When a real shepherd, a biblical shepherd, was loving and caring, and we know David was a great shepherd. When, uh, when a bear came and tried to attack the sheep, he killed the bear. When a lion came and tried to attack the sheep, he killed the lion. So David was a great shepherd model. But, but if you were a sheep, and I'm talking about a real bad type of sheep now, and you had a good shepherd, well, you were safe, you were well fed, you might call yourself, you were contented and happy and satisfied, and uh, you, were, you were well cared for, you felt significant and secure, the shepherd knew your voice, uh, or knew you by name, and you knew his voice, so there was significant security, there was satisfaction. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you were, you were still a bad sheep, okay? And here's the great difference. Follow with me on this, because this is powerful. Jesus is presenting himself as the shepherd, the caretaker of our souls. And he's looking at us as his little lambs, his little sheep. But here's the enormous difference. We are not sheep, folks. We are made by Christ and for him. We are made in his image. We have the capacity. We have the capacity to experience life. He wants us to experience life the way he himself does. Listen to these two verses in my closing. This is from 2 Corinthians 3.18, the great difference of we that follow the shepherd who have found the caretaker of our souls. It says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, Now all of us with our faces unveiled reflect the glory of the Lord as if we are mirrors. And so we are being transformed, metamorphosed, into His same image from one radiance of glory to another just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. This is the voice version. Let me read it to you again. 2 Corinthians 3.18 Now all of us with our faces unveiled this is referring to Moses when he came off the mountain after 40 days being with God he, gl he glowed and the people were scared of his glow um, and so they said wear a veil. Remember Jesus was transfigured Now the difference with Jesus is his was his inner glory coming out. With Moses, Moses had been in the presence of God and he was reflecting that glory back. Now it says, we that behold Jesus, we reflect his glory to the world because we are his followers and we want to be like him and we are progressively able. This is the good news. We're not just sheep. We're, we're able to be like him. Listen to it now. Now all of us with our faces unveiled reflect the glory of the Lord as if we are mirrors and so we are being transformed, metamorphosed into His same image. Into whose image? His, Jesus, the Creator's same image from one radiance of glory to another just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplished it. And 1 Corinthians 13, 12, the famous marriage passage, listen to this. He says, For we now see only 
reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now listen to this part. Now I know in part, then, meaning when Christ returns, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. you got to take this in. This is saying that God is going to so transform you and I, His followers. I don't care where you're at today. I don't care how, how stuck you may feel. I don't care how, how much of a failure you may feel like. If you've put your trust in Christ and you're His follower, He promises someday you, I, are going to be so transformed. We are going to be like Jesus. It says we're going to be... We're going to know Him fully like He fully knows us. Randy, are you trying to say we're going to be God? No, of course not. The finite can never be the infinite. But we are going to wear His image. We are going to wear His character. And we are finally, we are finally really going to be able to know Him. He's going to turn all the lights on. We have so much capacity that He has not dared turn on. He's going to turn all the lights on. And just the way that Jesus knows us now, the Scripture promises this. We are going to know Him. We're going to know Him that well. And we're going to know Him that well forever. This is the promise that gives us hope and courage and strength in our times of failure, in our times of weakness, in our times when we go, we're jaded and mediocre. The caretaker, the shepherd of our souls, promises us life in the fullness if we'll just keep on following Him following Him in this life and following Him right on into eternity. I, I hope that as you get ready to start this, you, this new year that's coming up in just a few days, I, I hope that you'll, you'll grasp this vision of a new you, a new you 2.0 version that will be more and more and more like Christ. Real transformation that's going to last into eternity until finally one day you will know Jesus the very way that He knows you. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, uh, we are amazed at the work that you can do through your word, through revealing to us the truth about the nature and heart of God as we see him fully revealed in Jesus. May this work go deeper in us. May, may you push us past our fears. Lord Jesus, our shepherd, our caretaker, May we open ourselves to receive the full care that you want to give us, to even take us down into those places that we're scared to go, that the quality of life in its fullness might be indeed experienced by those who reflect your image more and more and more. Lord Jesus, it's in your holy name we pray and we give thanks with anticipation. Amen.